Yeah, if I ask you the story of Noah, I'm sure all of you would be able to tell it. So is there any volunteers that would like to tell the story of Noah? Oh, I'll just pick somebody, will I? <laughs> but you know what? We all know the story of Noah, and, and it, we generally start with Noah was a man that built an ark, and we can describe this ark in many ways. And then there was a flood, and there was rain, and eventually opened the ark. But that's actually not where the story starts. The story actually starts in, where, in Genesis 6, and it actually starts with God. So our scripture this morning is from Genesis 6, where the whole story actually starts. When man began to increase in numbers on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any one of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with men, man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thought of his heart was only evil at the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the earth and birds of the air. So I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's where Noah's story starts. And this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people in his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, for the earth is filled with violence. I am going, God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of him, or because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So, Noah, make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 foot long, feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Is this the right version? I thought it was cubits, but anyway, now it's feet. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make a lower, a middle, and an upper deck. decks. I'm going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. 
You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Another key point. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So the first time we heard of Noah, it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah's response is, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Now often when we look in the Bible, there's lots and lots of stories of different people and so on. And we know the important ones is when it gets referred back to in the New Testament. So we hear of Noah again in the New Testament when Paul writes, and they think Hebrews was written by Paul, when Paul writes to the Hebrews, in Hebrews 11 verse 7, he makes this one verse comment, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah was certainly an example that is held up in the Bible for us of someone that God favored and lived by the faith. So there's three main points to the sermon. The first, it's Christ our ark, and then you'll see his need made known, his way prepared, and his effect displayed. These are the three points. Hebrews chapter 11 is known to us all as a great faith chapter of the Bible. It describes various people in the Old Testament and make and tell us these are the people of faith. And Noah was included in them. Now, of course, the moment Noah is mentioned, we call to mind the biblical story of the flood. Noah and the flood have become almost synonymous. What we have to understand, however, is that Noah is important for us, and Noah is in held in high esteem by the Scriptures, not because he is somehow identified with the flood, and not because he was the only man whom God spared through the flood. Noah is to be rem remembered, and Noah is held high in high esteem because of his response to the word of the Lord. Noah is mentioned in Hebrew 11 as a man of faith. Noah was one who believed and responded to God's word spoken to him. In that respect, Noah was a believer and a forerunner of all believers who follow in his wake. Noah was one who put his hope in what God set before him. He staked his life and his reputation and really everything on the plan God called upon him to carry out. Noah is for us an example of an Old Testament man of God. Therefore, in a sense in which Noah all was staked in the ark which he was commanded by God to build. But first, Noah really trusted in what God, in what he really was trusted in was in God's word. That word spoke to him of the ark. So the ark was his hope. 
But he learned of the ark from God's word. God spoke to him. The ark now points us to Christ, for Christ is the one whom God's word points us to. Jesus Christ is for us in many ways what the ark was for Noah. But we must learn to have the same kind of faith in Christ that Noah had in the ark, which demands of us a like trust in God's word. It all holds together in him. So his need was made known. When we begin to think of terms in, of the need, the situation of which the ark came to be and out of which the Savior was sent into the world, then of course we are led to think of a sinful, lost, desperate, hopeless world in the case of the ark. We read back in Genesis 6 of the awful degeneration which had taken place in the human race. God had made man to be special. God a God-glorifying creature, and instead man has become an immoral, self-serving rebel. The extent of man's rebellion is reflected in what we read in Genesis 6 verse 3, when God said to himself about his fallen, sin-saturated creature, my spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. My spirit will not content with man forever. Those words give an expression of a very frustrated creator. A creator who had witnessed the works of his own hands turn their backs on him. Again we read in verses 5 and 6, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Those words speak of an absolute depravity which prevailed among humankind in those days, and of the Creator's reaction to it. There was no good to be found in men's hearts or minds anymore. All was evil and malicious and immoral and inclined contrary to God, their maker. In the wake of that dismal evaluation, we read that God determined to bring judgment upon man's sin. That judgment would be universal, worldwide judgment, as we read in verse 7. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind out whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the earth of the ground and birds of the air for I am grieved that I have made them what an indictment against man's sin those words present God the creator God was sorry that he had made the world seeing it was so corrupted in sin but God not being helpless a helpless victim of sin promptly determined to Perch the earth by destroying its sinful creatures with a flood. That determination on God's part set the stage for this, his word to Noah about an ark. Now, lest this whole matter seem to us to be concerned with matter of long ago and far away, you and I must realize that God has declared that he will again, in the last day, destroy this old world and cleanse it. This time, by fire. 
We read, for example, in Matthew 24, verse 27, 30, and 31, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the others. Paul writes in two, uh, no, Peter writes, it was always Paul that writes the letters. Sometimes Peter wrote letters, you know. And in 2 Peter 3, verse 5 to 7, Peter wrote, But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed, and the earth was formed out of water and with water. By water also the, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. The judgment of the earth to come is also to be due to the apostasy and the wickedness of the people, similar to in those days. In Matthew 24, it writes, You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. And Peter wrote again, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. The point that we are trying to make, people of God, is that we live in a world today as a part of a human race which is not all that different from the one Noah lived in. When we open our eyes and look around, we see a world of sin and immorality and deceit and crime and bloodshed and rottenness and rebellion and godlessness of every kind. Words fail us to adequately describe it all. The need which, God, which brought God to speak to Noah about a coming flood is a need in our world today as well. God has already indicated that this old world is going to be destroyed in the end by fire. It's only a matter of time until that destruction comes. As far as need is concerned, our need is parallel to Noah's need. God's judgment upon sin is coming. What we need is a way to escape. The next point is his way prepared. God prepared a way. In that whole dismal account of Genesis 6, there's one bright ray of light. We read in the words of verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now we can say a lot of things about Noah and speculate about what kind of man he must have been, but the really distinguishing thing about this man was that he took God at his word and obeyed him. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And so the Lord approached him with what to the ordinary person sounded like an utterly preposterous plan. Can you imagine it? God told Noah that he was going to destroy the world. I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth, said the Lord. 
And then God told Noah to build an ark, a big boat, and his family would be saved through that flood to come. Now you see, Noah had to take and accept God's word there really in two respects. In the first place, he had to accept the truth that God said he's going to destroy the earth. The second thing he had to accept, that this boat he's got to build on dry land will be the key to save him and his family. Imagine how the people laughed and mocked him in those days. A man building a boat. You know how long it took him to build that boat? 120 years. More than our lifetimes. And all that time people were laughing at him and wondering why on earth does he spend all his time, money and effort to build something that is so completely useless as a boat that stands on dry ground. But Noah built on. He did that because of his superior knowledge or wisdom or intelligence or insight which he possessed. But none of that but because he believed God and he took God on his word. That word for Noah directed him to build an ark. In that respect, Noah put his hope for survival in the ark God told him to build. The ark was for Noah his way, his avenue to safety. We are living in similar circumstances to Noah. I hope you can see that. God's judgment in our case, has already been passed upon man's sin with the knowledge that the destruction of the world is coming. You and I must recognize that God approaches us too in a way similar to how he approached Noah. God comes to us too, speaking of a way to escape. To us, he doesn't come with a command to build an ark. He, came to, he comes to us with a command to trust the Savior. Jesus Christ is, in fact, our ark. Jesus Christ is the one through whom we may be spared from the judgment to come. The Bible is full of promises which speak to that truth. Romans talk about it. But I want to refer you to John 14, verse 6. Jesus himself said this, I am the way and the truth, and the life. And he also says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given to me, but raise them up at the last day. And then he says this, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word, and believes him who sent me. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. The point which has to be held before us is this. We have to believe that a judgment is coming from which we need a way to escape. And then like Noah... We must take him at his word and put our trust in Jesus as our ark, our hope, our way of life. We read in our text, by faith, when warned about things not yet seen, 
in holy fear, built an ark to save his family by faith. We must in like manner be warned of God concerning a future not yet seen and be moved to trust in Jesus Christ for the saving of our souls. Indeed, the whole of our lives must revolve about that trust and that confidence so that we live lives which are truly live lives of faith, daily expressions of dependence upon God. Now, what is the effect of this? And that's the third point. When Noah was building the ark, his neighbors and his fellow men called him a fool. They laughed at him and derided him. Noah didn't end up being a fool, however, but he ended up being the only one alive. His fellow men's laughter was in the end turned to crying, for as it turned out, plenty of them, no doubt, wished they had built an ark. Their failure was simply one of not taking God at his word, not believing, not accepting what he declared as his truth. Those who were destroyed took the approach that the world would continue on as it was forever. They didn't accept the thought of divine intervention into history, of divine judgment upon sin, of a day of accountability before God. And because of their rejection of God's word, they were all swept away. Now the Bible tells us that it's going to be the same way in the final end. We read, first of all, you must understand that in the last day, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everyone, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. That's what Peter wrote in Peter 3, verse 3 to 4. In the end time, says the scriptures, people are going to say, what's this talk about an end of the world? What's this talk of a judgment day? That's all nonsense. The world isn't going to be interrupted like that. It's going to go on and on as it has now already for millions of years. And so they laugh as did the men of Noah's day and they reject the word of God as they cast aside the one whom he has sent. All we need to do is open our eyes and our ears and we see and hear their cry every day. In the world in which we live today, who is thinking or talking of judgment day? But... To the wise and the faithful, Scripture says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. 2 Peter 3, verse 11 and 12. What kind of people ought we to be? People like Noah, the man of faith, People who take God at His word and live accordingly. People who stake their hope for salvation in Jesus Christ as Noah did in the ark and who then live obediently and expectantly before and unto Him. What that calls for is an alertness in each one of us such as Jesus called for when He said, when these things begin to, begin to take place, stand up. And lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. 
what that calls for is a living daily expression of our faith. The kind of an expression which makes an impact upon the world around us. Notice how it is said, Noah, said of Noah that through his faith he condemned the world. He pointed out to its error and its wickedness. And he himself became the heir of the righteousness which, only, which comes by faith. That's our challenge too. To condemn the evil of our world and to claim the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Our ark by taking God at his word. God told Noah, I am going to destroy the world but I will rescue you through the ark. God's telling us, I'm going to destroy the world. I already provided a plan. Jesus Christ is our ark. That's the key to the whole matter before us. That's the key to faith. Taking God at his word and living accordingly. Are we, each one of us, doing so? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that we live in a world of darkness and sin and that we in ourselves are weak and helpless. We need help. We need a Savior. We thank you, Father, for the story of Noah and the ark and the way in which it points us to Jesus Christ, our ark. Move us to find our refuge and our hope in Christ, even as we accept your word as truth. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.